Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward 
to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. We've been resting these last weeks, Lord God, in your greatness, your sovereign control, so we can let go of our own felt need to be in control. And your, your grace, your gracious acceptance and welcome so that we don't need to prove ourselves to anyone. Your greatness so that we can give less weight to others and put all of our weight on you and accept your word. And today, Lord, open us up to your goodness to know that you are enough for us. And we don't have to look anywhere else. Open us up, Lord God. Let us rest in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My sister-in-law has arrived in Kirkland for the Christmas holidays, and in the Cuman home, uh, our household, what that means is a bunch of really, really, really good food. Now, Liz is an amazing cook as well, so it's not like we're scratching it out the rest of the time unless I'm on kitchen duty, but normally we eat really well. And, but what the arrival of Leah Cuman, my wife's sister, in town means is that um, Extra good food speaks up Jonathan, yes. Extra good food, because she lives in a condo by herself. She will have people over and cook for them. She really loves cooking with other people and for other people. And having a whole family of fawning admirers, which we all gratefully admit to being, means she delights herself in producing all kinds of amazing things. And so whether it's just sort of the uh, classic human pasta and stuff, it's fantastic. And Christmas Eve, of course, is on a whole nother level. They're already laying out the plans and figuring out which grocery store they will go to in the Seattle area to get only the best quality ingredients. It's going to be amazing. See, so here's the thing. On a regular basis in the morning, for, you know, my, my regular breakfast is a, a bowl of cereal. And then on my way out the door, I will slather some peanut butter on a piece of bread, and that's a quick snack for later, maybe in the car or something, right? See, here's the thing, though. Knowing that my sister-in-law is in the house, knowing what's on tap for dinner, when I sit down to dinner, even if I don't know exactly what's on the menu, am I really going to be tempted to get up from the table and go make myself a piece of bread and peanut butter? No. No, I am not. I am not going to be thinking about bread and peanut butter at all. I might be thinking about bread because there may be some amazing fresh baked bread that just came out of the oven three and a half minutes ago. But I'm not going to be thinking about getting something that's pre-sliced and slathering on some peanut butter, right? It doesn't mean that peanut butter is bad, but on that Christmas Eve dinner table are going to be things that are so much better it, it's never, it's not even going to occur for, to me. I, I mean, it might this year because I preached a sermon, but otherwise it's never going to occur to me, right? Because the, what's in front of me is amazing. It's a truism in our lives that as we're wanting to deal with the junk in our lives and all of us have anxieties, 2021 more than at least in our memories, more than we had, say, a couple years ago, right? As we're 
dealing with our stuff, and maybe there's some anxiety coming to the Christmas dinner table for you. Family reunifications are not always pleasant. For some of us, we've had deep griefs in this season. In conversation with a friend, uh, was remembering, which I wish I had remembered, but was reminded that they had actually had something of a family tragedy um, several years ago, just before Christmas, and I had forgotten that chronology. And for some of you and some of you, that may be true, right? But as we're coming into Christmas, what's going to heal us is not just trying to suck it up and hold it together for an evening or a weekend or this season. What's going to renew us is not just trying to really have our act together and mind our P's and Q's. What's going to heal us in this Christmas season is looking to the God who's come to us. And again, these past weeks, we've reminded ourselves of God's greatness and the freedom from needing to control our own life. He's got it. I don't need to. He loves me. It's going to be okay. We've reminded ourselves of God's gracious welcome to us. And if God has welcomed me, then what do I need to prove to him? He's, it's done deal. He's, he's already brought me into the family. So what do I or you need to prove to him or anyone else? We can rest. And last week with the, the weights up on the front, if you haven't seen it, go back and see the video. God's weightiness, God's glory, God's gravitas that God himself matters more than anyone else in the universe. And so what he says can be relied on. Again, we can rest and be renewed. And this week might have suggest that it's looking to God's goodness to delight ourselves in God, frees us, from needing to run after all these other things that we look to, uh, to to do it for us. In the same way that when I'm sitting down at Christmas Eve dinner, I do not need to think of a peanut butter sandwich. As good as those are, and as, that's right, it's peanut butter, I know opinions may differ, peanut butter is not a moral evil. Okay, see, I, I'm having some amen, some agreement in the house. Some of you are silently disagreeing with me right now. But I'm just going to say, peanut butter is not a moral evil. It's not a moral choice. It's just, it's not as good as what's going to be on the table in front of me. And that's the invitation to us. That when God is right in front of us, in all of his goodness, we're freed from needing to seek after all those other lesser things that can be enjoyed in their proper, their proper place, right? When I wake up, Three or four days later and decide I want a snack, there's nothing wrong with peanut butter, but it's just not as good. All kinds of good gifts come from God, flow continually and ought to be enjoyed, but they are not our ultimate hope. God is.
in this story that happens right after Jesus' birth. As Luke tells us, it's the time of purification, and so Mary and Joseph are just doing what God's law requires in the Old Testament. They're coming up to, to dedicate him, to offer the sacrifice. There's ritual cleansing going on. There's, right, they're, they're being good, obedient Jews. That's what they're doing. That's why they're in the temple. They're in the temple because they're simply, well, this is what God says to do, and so we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to bring our baby into Jerusalem. Bethlehem, again, is only about 10 kilometers, six miles or so away. It's not that hard of a journey, and so they, they do it. They do it. They are, in this instance, seeking good, right? By simply trusting that God's word is good, so this is what we're going to do. But notice Anna. Notice this elderly woman. And the, the chronology is as, as mixed in Greek as it is in English, and translators have to... What was in both those translations that Susie read and was on the screen is sort of the best guess from most commentators is that Luke is telling us that at the moment she's 84 years old, but she's had some tragedy in her life, yeah? I mean, it doesn't take a lot of imagination for us to put ourselves in her situation. She was married for only seven years. And given that she's in the temple fasting and praying, I think a fair implication is that she didn't have any children or that at some point any children that she had had, had died. That's the implied in this social setting. That's the implication. Again, Luke isn't telling us that, but I think it's a, a reasonable assumption. Anna has had really hard things come to her in life. But in Luke's narration, and again, Luke pays particular attention to the women of the story, yeah? In Luke's narration, he's not focused on the tragedy. He tells us enough, but he's not focused there. I mean, can, really, can any of us read this as short as it is, compact as it is, can any of us read this brief introduction to Anna and think, she's not just overflowing with joy? And not just now because she's seen Jesus and the Holy Spirit has told her, like Simeon, that this is God's promised Messiah. But don't you get the sense that she's just <laughs> a ton of fun to be around? That when people go to the temple, they're like, hey, is Anna going to be there? Oh, I bet she is. I wonder what part of the temple she's going to be in now. This is a woman who is experiencing life deeply. And it's not because she hasn't had hard things happen but because she's focused on God and his goodness and delighting in him. And there's nothing that she wants more than to simply be in the temple as close to God as she can possibly get. And she's, she has a great life, actually. And then there's Simeon, and we're actually told less about him. We're just told that he's in the spirit, which is Luke language, both in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. It's Luke language for he has regular communication with the Holy Spirit. He's regularly just 
knowing things that on the human level he couldn't possibly have known. He's regularly simply in dialogue with God. And so this particular day, he's in the spirit, and he's whatever that looks like, whether it's an image or a voice or something, just he knows he just he needs to be in the temple that day. And so he goes because he that's he's a man who seeks his good in God. And when he arrives in the temple, there's gonna be a lot of other babies around in the temple. It's a traditional society. Children are a blessing, and this is where you bring the kids for the dedication, for the cleansing, for the offering. This is not the only family in the temple, I promise you. And yet, Simeon knows when he walks in, at at a certain point, God makes it clear to him, he's in the spirit, makes clear to him, that's the family right over there. And this promise that the Spirit has made to him earlier, the the words that are used here are super strong. It has been made abundantly clear, reliably communicated to him. He's banked on it that he will not die until he has seen the Messiah in the flesh, in person, with his own eyes. And so on this day when he's in the Spirit, he follows the promptings of the Spirit. He goes in He has put everything on seeking the goodness of God, seeking his good in God. And he is more than amply rewarded. These words have been quoted any number of times. Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm, I've, I've had everything I could possibly have wanted in my life. Like, I'm... There is nothing better for me here than I now have seen your Messiah. Uh, You know, nothing here is going to be an upgrade from this. The only upgrade now is for me to just be fully at rest with you and resurrection's coming is what he's saying here, right? God's goodness for both Anna and Simeon, God's goodness and greatness and glory and grace have healed them and brought them to this place. And at this point, oddly enough, at least I found it odd as I was reflecting on this passage, oddly enough, I I kind of relate more to Mary and Joseph in this part of the story. I mean, usually Mary and Joseph are like, you know, way up here, right? In this one, like, why are they in the temple? Again, why are they in the temple? Because there's things in the scripture that said, when this happens, you do this. When you have a baby and there's blood and there's other things, come for your purification, offer. On one level, for Mary and Joseph, it doesn't look like anything, you know, immediately, supernatural is happening. They're simply in the right place at the right time because they read in the Bible that this is what they're supposed to do. And so they do it. Utterly ordinary. Utterly accessible to any of us. And yet notice the divine choreography going on here, right? Mary and Joseph are only there just because, like, well, some stuff said that we're supposed to do this. Great. God's rules, here we go. (laughs) And then 
Anna and Simeon are brought in through direct words of the Holy Spirit, word of knowledge, right? Like, but in the divine choreography, all of them are in this space at this time to give us this encounter and this encouragement. That however it is that God's at work in our life, his intention is to turn our eyes away from the lesser things, which are great. All of God's gifts are, are, are good by definition, right? All of our friendships, relationship is God's good gift to us. From the most casual acquaintance to the deepest, most intimate friendship, right? But God himself is better. Physical health is God's good gift to us. We should enjoy it and, and seek it. Exercise is a godly thing. I should do more of it. But that's not where we put our hope. That's not where we seek our ultimate good. I enjoy food. We're supposed to enjoy every meal that comes. I will thoroughly enjoy Leo's cooking. But that's not the ultimate thing. God is. And the invitation to us is whether it's in the utterly ordinary stuff of everyday life and simply reading the scripture and like, okay, this is what I need to do, to the more obviously to our minds and hearts supernatural guidance of God. God's intention is to pull us, not to get rid of them, but to pull us beyond and through the ordinary good of life to God. Because the temptation for us is to seek our momentary pleasure, right? To not look big picture and not look long term. The temptation for us, right? And whatever we're tempted by, whether it's just tell this little lie right now or simply choose a little selfishness because I'm just tired or to choose to Honestly, between these two people, I'm going to get more out of this relationship than this one, so I'm going to choose. In whatever ways that we're tempted to seek the momentary pleasure and the momentary good, the invitation from God is to lift up our eyes to him, to ultimate good, and let that vision of his goodness reorient our hearts to then live well in all the other stuff of life. In this next week, we're going to be inundated with Christmas. It's a blessing of living in, you know, the United States, right? But lots of Christmas lights, lots of Christmas trees, Christmas music. We're looking forward to Christmas Eve right here in this space, so we're online with us. Let this be a week that in being completely inundated with the Christmas story, that our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our hearts are continually lifted up beyond the ordinary to recognize that every day not just once in our life, but every day. We're invited to feast on the goodness of God and turn away, relativize all lesser things 
to enjoy and delight in him and be filled and be healed. Amen.